Hi there, my name is Ana Paula Picasso and you are listening to Blockchain Beat. In this episode, I spoke to Aspen Kevland, CEO and founder of Wakandi. Aspen explained me how DOT can provide a better payment solution for the unbanked in sub-Saharan Africa. It's easy to think that you, you have to go into Africa and make a revolution out of everything. That's not necessarily the easiest way of going live. So we, we have chosen a, a strategy where we build our solution on top of the banking system, of, on top of the mobile network operators that is already there. He also told me about the solution that Wakandi offers in Tanzania and his plans to expand in other African countries. And if you want to know more about Wakandi, all the links are in the description. This episode is brought to you by Blockchain PR. If you want to know more how Blockchain PR can help your business grow, just go to www.blockchainpr.online. Hi, Espen. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long and hectic day. I started very early today and I'll mm-hmm. two more two more meetings after you, so where are you based now? Where are you calling from right now? I'm in Norway, in the uh, southeastern part of Norway. Okay, okay. Yeah. So here we have snow and uh, very wet and cold weather. So mm-hmm. Sunday I'm going back to the heat in uh, Dar es Salaam in uh, Tanzania. And uh, yeah, so yeah. here in Sweden, I'm actually on the north part of Sweden now for a few months. And it's minus 15, there's a lot of snow, there is a weather warning. Yeah, but that's Very why we like that's why we like the Nordics. That's why we like the Nordic. True. So yeah, no, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And one of the reasons or the reasons I wanted to speak to you was uh, basically two things. First, we I'd like to to you to tell us more about private blockchains. And also how blockchains or how blockchain is helping and solving problems with payments, especially in developing countries um, like Tanzania. Shall we just start with the basics? What is a private blockchain? Yeah, so most people have heard about uh, what, we, what we call public blockchains like Bitcoin, Ethereum and, and such. Uh, Stellar, Ripple, all of them are what we call uh, public blockchains. Uh, and, and most of them are what we call um, permissionless blockchain as well, which means that um, they're, they're kind of, uh, you just have a public, public key and if you know the public key, you can see all the transactions. Uh, when it comes to private uh, blockchains, I prefer to call them distributed ledger uh, technology or DLTs. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, most of them are what we call private and, and permissioned, meaning that uh, you know they're not accessible um, just for anyone to go in and, and have a look at transactions. Um, and in my opinion, and, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this one, but in my opinion, that makes them a better fit for a lot of the financial industry today uh, because <laughs> it's not like anyone should see everything in a blockchain. And yes, I know there's a lot of solution on it, on the public part as well. Uh, but uh, as it is, as it stands today, 
for for the use case that we have in uh, in Africa in the three countries we are working for now. We we see that there is no way we could do this with, with a public blockchain uh, today. But it's important for me to say that you know. We, I've done multiple projects on on public blockchain, and I'm hoping that some point in the future we we might migrate or integrate or or do something more on the public part of mm-hmm. it because I totally believe in this kind of uh, technology. I just want to go back uh, to what you you said about private blockchains. Why are they better in the case of Tanzania, for instance, or other developing countries, other African countries? Uh, for, for example, for uh, Tanzania, uh, uh, it, it it would have been very demanding to to do a project um, like we're doing on a public blockchain, uh, especially because a lot of the data that we store uh, are not allowed to to leave the borders, meaning that we have to host uh, certain part of uh, the financial data has has to be hosted within Tanzania. So building this on a distributed ledger makes a lot of sense because uh, in, in other areas, like the primary site has to be in Tanzania and secondary sites are allowed to be in some cloud solution. So like the current setup we have, we, we, uh, we have the primary site uh, and as well as, uh, well, it's a distributed ledger. So we don't really call it primary site and secondary site, but uh, in terms of uh, um, having a language that, uh, that the regulator can can mm-hmm. you know uh, can relate to we call it primary site mm-hmm. but for us it's just nodes in the network but it, but it's a primary site in terms of that we are hitting a local api local ip addresses and we we distribute some of that data into other parts of uh, our network so that that opens up for a lot of interesting opportunities as well for looking at data sharing uh, you know between for example regulator for example uh, private entities, commercial players. So we have a lot of lot of th- thoughts how we can utilize this this way of storing data in the future. Uh, and doing something like that on a public blockchain would be very hard in terms of legislation, mm-hmm. in terms of the regulator how, how they will look at it. Uh, but if we, for example, if you look at Nigeria, it would have been different again because in Nigeria, uh, cryptocurrency is a big thing, uh, and I'm also hoping that uh, the current trend with the CBDCs uh, will kind of slowly open up, uh, uh, you know, more of the regulator becoming positive on on uh, public blockchains, and also heavily driven by by what um, um, F- Facebook are planning with, with their projects. So it's a very exciting space to be in. But right now, it makes a lot of sense for us to do it with a distributed ledger. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Tanzania, because I'm from Brazil originally, it's still um, a large percentage of the population is unbanked, but that's changing slowly. How is like the financial landscape in a country like Tanzania with a very large unbanked population? And also tell us a little bit about the project you guys are working there with Wakandi. At, uh, as you correctly are, are uh, stating, it's a very big population that uh, can can't get a bank account, and the numbers are are varying a little bit depending on which kind of rep- what kind of reports you're listening to. But it, it's between fifteen and twenty percent of the population uh, uh, can or or have a bank account okay. or or can 
can get it. So it, it's uh, the reason for it is it's uh, it's not straightforward because part of the reason is that a lot of the very low income uh, population they mm -hmm. they cannot afford that uh, yearly fee because it's a yearly fee uh, re related to having a bank account. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them cannot do a proper KYC, so you know they're missing uh, ID and stuff like that, but. On, on the last point, we see that uh, there's a lot of changes in Africa uh, when it comes to national ID solutions. Slowly, people are uh, at least able to do, to do a KYC so they, they can do the, the minimum thing for getting a bank account. Uh, but, but the market in Tanzania and I would say East Africa in general uh, is very interesting. And everything started with the M-Pesa from Kenya. Yeah, we have to talk about mobile money if you talk about uh, the financial system in, uh, in East Africa. Even though they don't have a bank account, they, they have what is known as mobile money. And mobile money is, is a very interesting <laughs> phenomenon because, you know, they're using cash and mobile money. That's it. Most of them don't have a visa card. They don't have a bank mm -hmm. account. They, they, but they're still able to transfer money to, to other people using this mobile money thing. And you have all this this uh, it's called wakala in Tanzania there are small okay. small stores small agents standing everywhere on the street you know every 20 meter you, you in the cities you have one of these wakalas uh, so they are kind of providing their basic uh, financial services their ba the basic banking services through this kind of network uh, but the trends has been for many years that they are just going to Abakala and sending money and going into cash again. So the, the money didn't really stay in this, in this system. It's just cash in, cash out. So the, these mobile network operators that are offering the service of mobile money, they have, they have uh, their profit has been you know, increasing for many years. Uh, but now we see a very interesting trend. We are seeing that more and more products, like more value-added products, I would say, are being offered on top of this mobile money um, thing. And that's where also we are positioning ourselves. We are providing this uh, infrastructure that is based on a distributed ledger. And we will, in, in the coming year, we will go live with, uh, with our first product, which uh, is called Credit Association Management System. So we are going live with a product that helps uh, a very specific group of people in in uh, sub-saharan africa uh and with wakandi yes with wakandi so mm -hmm. uh wakandi comes is the first product uh and the product are targeting what we what we call informal financial groups so that they're they're kind of like they're spanning from the very very small village group that you know just a group of people goes together and they save money together and, and you can borrow money from the group again to huge, huge groups that have thousands and thousands of, uh, of members. And, you know, traditionally, this is how banking or banking looking alike uh, services has been offered in, in many of these countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. So that's, uh, that's the first group of uh, people we are targeting in, uh, in the first release for Wakambe. In, uh, like in, in East Africa, we've been working with uh, Rwanda and uh, Tanzania. Okay. Uh, Rwanda has, you know, it's a very exciting country for us. But uh, because of this COVID uh, situation in Africa, they, they're locked down the borders. So uh -huh. we, we had to prior prioritize based on where we could travel uh, during the last six months. Uh, so 
we, we kind of been able to keep on pushing, uh, even though obviously the, the pandemic has, <laughs> is creating some challenges for us when it comes to traveling. But uh, yeah, so in East Africa, Tanzania, Rwanda are very high on our list. Um, we have interest from so many countries. It's, it's crazy to see all, all people that want, to, mm -hmm. want us to launch in, <laughs> in their country. Um, so in, in West, we, have, we uh, are very, very firm on going live in, in Ghana. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been there uh, multiple times. We, we're talking with the regulator. We're talking with commercial partners. We're talking with, uh, with the political, uh, political people. Um, Gambia, very small country in West Africa, mm -hmm. uh, is one of the countries that will go live now, now this year. Tanzania, Gambia, and South Africa are the three countries that we are trying to, to go live with uh, this year. And we have picked those three countries for very specific reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the informal economy in, in the countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, Nigeria and Tanzania are on one end of the scale. And South Africa is on the complete other end of the scale. And that's the size of the informal economy, uh, uh, you know, compared to the, to the GDP of the country. So it's very interesting for us to test so, these two markets, like uh -huh. Tanzania and South Africa, in, in that relation. Uh -huh. But you said Tanzania and Nigeria are in one end of the spectrum. So there is... Yeah. And South Africa is in the other end. In what way is South Africa has a lower percentage of informal workers, or the other way around? South Africa has, uh, you know, the informal economy uh, compared to uh, to GDP is is um, you know on the better end of the scale in Africa. But Nigeria and Tanzania has has very big informal economy. Wow. Uh, so so we 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 want we wanted to test our system in in those two markets because we believe. At least, then we know that it can work in those two very different uh, market conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going live in Gambia because it's a rather small country. It's fast moving. Uh, a lot of other West, Western uh, African countries are looking at Gambia as a perfect place to start with uh, in, in, in West Africa. So that's why we ended up on those three countries. Um, and we're just now in January finalizing the next three countries that we will mm -hmm. go live in. We, 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 want to, we want to scale this thing uh, and we want to move fast. Yeah, I hope you guys do. I hope you guys do. Because it's, it's very interesting for me to um, see how these other emerging countries, emerging economies, I work with financial inclusion and different projects that are moving away from the mainstream financial institutions. Let's say I am an informal worker, I live in Tanzania, I want to pay for something or want to send money to someone else that is in another place, in another town, a family member, friend. How, how would that go about? Mm. And what, what Kandy can offer or is offering there already to make it that process easier. Today, if, if you're sending money to, to someone else, you, you take your cash and you go to one of these uh, Wakala that I was talking about and, and you, you give the phone number of you know, the people that you want to send to and they get some reference number and they take that code to another Wakala and they, and they take out, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they get cash for it. Okay. Uh, so, the market that we are um, uh, going into is not 
purely sending money to like peer, like person to person. Mm-hmm. We are targeting those groups. So let, let me give an example on, uh, because we, are, we are, have onboarded quite a few members already that are waiting for us to go live. Uh, so w- one of them are are based in uh, on in the Kagera region. It's very close to Lake Victoria, so I've been there a couple of times. And and uh, today it's working like uh, people physically come to to their office and they apply for a loan. And there's a manual process, uh, highly manual, to to how how they process that uh, loan application and. Uh, let's say that uh, the loan application is accepted. These guys, they have to travel into to one bank uh, once per week. And usually that's Fridays. And they spend hours lining up to pay back on, on that, uh, uh, that loan they have. So what we have done with uh, our first application on Wakande is that we, we make it possible so you can just go to one Wakala and you pay back on your loan. So for for the member for the for the citizens of Tanzania because th- this kind of loans this kind of financing is is uh, for for the majority that's the only access to credit they have so we interviewed a lot of people one guy he started uh, his uh, garage he was you know he was uh, more than ten employees now he had done this by taking three of these loans and paying back. And as he said, you know, every Friday he spent entire day traveling in and traveling into the city and, and paying back on the year, sorry, on the weekly don't payment and interest on the loan. So we automate, automate that. You can just use your mobile phone to pay back and you use your mobile phone to, to, um, to, to get the loan. Uh, so it's convenient for, and much easier and much faster. And, very very transparent since we're using this kind of technology for for the groups we are giving them an extremely good um, uh, audit and audit trail uh, and also improving the governance for the group because it has been it has been so much fraud in in this market you you, you won't believe it so many people have you know run off with money they have given out loans to family members they have done there, there's so much uh, you know, fraud episodes been happening during the years. So when the group have implemented our system, everything is more transparent. Everything is more uh, easy for an auditor to come in and, and look at the audit trail. So it's a solution that really helps them a lot. So I have a uh, I have a question. I think it's twofold. So it's two questions in one. How is the mobile phone penetration in a country like Tanzania? And also, what's the relationship between the telecoms, the mobile phone operators, with uh, the financial institutions? Yeah, uh, great question. So, yeah, if so, we start with the with, with the penetration, yes, um, it's like cheap Android phones has you know totally changed uh, the landscape in Sub-Saharan Africa, mm-hmm. uh, and like I quote, everyone has a smartphone today. Uh, that's not necessarily true, but uh, GSMA is an organization that is tracking uh, such statistics, and they are saying that um, you know within four years now uh, they expect 60% of the population in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa to have a smartphone. Oh wow, that's quite high. It is, it, and it's, it's very high. But 
for, for now, a lot of them are using what we call a feature phone. Uh, that's kind of a thing. It's not just uh, these old um, <laughs> just keypads. Uh, so they have kind of a screen, uh, but not a fully smartphone. So wh when we talk about how you access services in, in these markets, there is something very strange there, especially for us coming from Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, they're using something called USSD codes. So our products also support that. That means that if I'm going to, let, let's say I'm going to send money and pay, you know, doing a don't payment on my loan, uh, I can use this, the, the mobile phone app. If I'm having an Android, that is a smartphone. Uh, we have an iOS app, but I can also use just any phone, any mobile phone and, and enter a series of digits like a star, you know, one five zero star and, and such. And that, those codes they're kind of system uh, SMSs. They trigger certain functionalities in our, in our system. So they have kind of made a workaround on how you can use old-fashioned phones to, to access different services. Uh, and in Tanzania, we see everything from hotel booking to a lot of services being offered in this way. Uh, and when I first started there, I, I thought, oh, this is so old-fashioned and, and so hard to use. But it's <laughs> kind of really fast when, when you get to know it. So we decided to just make it a part of uh, our offering to also support those kind of codes. Mm -hmm. uh, so the penetration of, uh, of uh, mobile phones in general is very high. Smartphones are quite high and growing fast, uh, but feature phones make it kind of the, the gap and make it possible for uh, most of the users to mm -hmm. use, com comes at least. Okay, um, so yeah, just going back to what you said, uh, for someone to go and pay the weekly installments, the the payment for the loans, so they can pay with uh, their feature phones if they only have a feature phone, and it works fine through Wakandi. Uh, absolutely. So that's been a very important feature for us to support. The, the different the second part of your question. Um, that, that's a big one for us because, okay. you know, the market is there. There are mobile network operators there. There are banks there. Uh, they have a role to play. So we've been kind of doing this as, I, I would say it's kind of like an incremental innovation uh, to go into this kind of markets with something brand new. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hard. You have to take, there's a narrative there already. There, there are, you know, they have a relation to the mobile network operator. They, they know about certain products in the market. So it's been really important for us to, to build on top of what is already there. Uh, it's easy to think that you, you have to go into Africa and make a revolution out of everything. That's not necessarily the easiest way of going live. So we, we have chosen a, a strategy where we build our solution on top of the banking system, of, on top of the mobile network operators that is already there, and trying as much as possible to fit into to some kind of uh, you know, regulatory box. So they don't need to, to figure out a new kind of regulation for us to go live. Mm -hmm. That's been really important. And I had a lot of great meeting with, uh, with the various regulators. I, I met with uh, a lot of central banks in the different countries that we've been uh, looking at. And some, in some countries, we do need a license. In other, other countries, we are just welcomed and please launch and you know, keep us in the loop and, and you might be licensed later. So it's very different uh, looking at the different countries there.
Mm-hmm. But um, we, yeah. we have to build on top on top of what's there. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. What regulations? There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot to catch up with that as well. Maybe it's a whole new episode. Just talk about regulations in different in different countries. Um, True. That's a, a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's, even here in Europe, it's always a hot topic how different countries deal with. Yeah, them. well, at least in Europe, we have like a uniform. At least we have a uniform, um, you know, um, regulatory framework because of EU. Yes. But you don't, you don't have anything like that in Africa. It's like you have to, you have to do a legal memo for every country. We, you have to talk with the regulator, and you have to kind of start on scratch every time. So mm-hmm. yeah. So Aspen, now I'd like to talk to you about your journey um, into blockchain. Yeah. So how did you start it, um, and how uh, and when? What kind of came about? Yeah. So my background is uh, originally I'm a software developer, um, and in 2009 I started a company called uh, Akeo. Uh, Akeo is uh, is today one of the leading blockchain developers in in Norway. Where uh, the company uh, has been doing a lot of uh, interesting uh, blockchain projects. Uh, and then, uh, like uh, about three years ago, um, we, we, we had an idea uh, t- together with the, the other founders that uh, there might be something with blockchain and banks was the kind of original ID that we had with uh, with Wakandi. Uh, at the time, we, we uh, company was called Ledge Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, the project was kind of born inside of Akeo, but very soon we, we met one of uh, one of the other founders. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's a Tanzanian living living in Norway. Um, so Selem uh, Duda, he's, he's been you know, he really introduced us for for the problems that uh, that Tanzania and Africa, a lot of African countries, uh, are facing. And when when we realized how big this market is and and you know the opportunities, we we kind of left the original idea and and decided to move to move uh, to only focus on on Africa in in our undertaking. So. Um, like one and a half year ago, I left Akeo and and started working uh, full time for uh, for Wakandi. So uh, today we we uh, we have a very clear strategy. We ha- we are done with the main network, meaning that um, we are just taking it live now. We are doing the pilots. We are doing the we doing the testing, the final testing. We'll spend some months on that, and after that, it's just a matter of scaling this thing. It's just a matter of uh, identifying different applications that will make sense for us to launch. Um, so we, we kind of have two approaches. One is the Wakandi core. That's the network. That's the DLT yeah. solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to launch different applications on top of it. So that's the go-to-market strategy. We, will, we are uh, looking into uh, agriculture as a very interesting uh, area for us. We're looking into tourism, uh, but we're starting with this informal financial groups that is huge mm-hmm. just in south africa there are uh, you know more than 800,000 groups so it's a huge 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 thing in africa mm-hmm. and how do you see uh, what currently growing in the next few years are you guys going to concentrate in africa or do you guys have plan to go to south america for instance or asia or other parts of the world yeah 
Well, we, we do have some, some, uh, some countries to cover in, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa for now, but it, we, we're really also looking at, uh, at uh, South America, as you're referring to. It's um, a lot of the market conditions, I would say, is quite similar. Uh, we think a lot of the application would work in, uh, in that market as well. Um, there are other parts of the world where you also have this kind of um, uh, same setup with these groups, with this kind of doing agri agriculture, especially when it, we are talking about that. So we, for now, we are really looking at uh, sub-Saharan Africa, but we have our eyes and we keep on, we keep on uh, keep looking at um, as uh, South America as well. But uh, if we talk about three to five years, I think we, at least for three years, we have enough with, um, with scaling up in, uh, in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, I'm sure you guys do. I'm sure. I think Africa is, um, is a huge opportunity for in many aspects, especially in the financial sector. And hopefully with blockchain or distributed ledger technologies. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and you know, it's it's very important for me to say that you know we are we are extremely positive to to blockchain and public blockchains. But it's just, I, I think it makes sense for for us to be some kind of also like a bridge. Uh, so we are looking very much into how, for example, can we use Stellar or Ripple? How, mm -hmm. how can we position ourselves now to because we expect we expect public blockchains to be more accepted in the African market and mm -hmm. and um, and especially when you look at uh, what Facebook are uh, you know are, are planning to do so it's not like we are saying that you know private blockchain are so much better than block them than public blockchains it's not that at all it's just that that setup sure. that kind of storing data today makes a lot of sense for us and and it's a good start but we are very much looking into how we can how we can be a bridge between that private network and and um, the, the public blockchain space. So we're mm -hmm. we are very much uh, interested in that for the future. Yeah. So if someone wants to know more about Wakandi, Aspen, where do they go? We are very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so you should absolutely go in on LinkedIn and, and follow Wakandi us there. With W. W, yes, and wakandi.com also it's uh, where you can read more about us. So feel free to reach out. We, we love to talk with, uh, with different players in the industry. And uh, if you have a project that you think might make sense for us to do something together with in the future, we are very open to, uh, to partnerships. So feel free to reach out to us. And, um, and um, yeah, we love to talk about what we do. Great. And, it, it's also great to do something good in the world and we are really trying to do that yeah yeah i would definitely i'll put all the links in the description uh, the website wakandi.com wakandi with w and um, yourself as well your linkedin profile and um, yeah so good luck with for you guys in africa you know maybe one day you guys gonna go to south america as well <laughs> I hope so, and I will absolutely let you know, and thank you very much for having me. Welcome. Thanks for listening. If you want to know how Blockchain PI can help your business grow, just go to www.blockchainpr.online.